Good morning. Are you well? Good. We live in miraculous times, don't we? Semi-final, come on. <laughs> the, uh, I'd like at this point just to say that those of you that doubted the World Cup connection group would last more than a week. And I'm looking at you, Dave Foggan. Hey. Now this, this I'll give you an example of truly amazing faith. We met midway through this week. We watched the round of 16. We booked the time together for the semi-final in faith. That's real faith there, ladies and gentlemen, expecting England to reach a semi-final. It's amazing times. So, uh, if you would turn to the parable of the prodigal son, because obviously the theme for this morning is it's coming home. All right. could also do love is patient, love is kind, love's got the world in motion, for those of you that are around in for Italia 90. Ah. Just out of, so, uh, coming back, we do believe in, in the miraculous here, regardless of, of the England football team. Um, just give us a wave again if, if you felt God do something in terms of healing whilst we were praying for you earlier. We've got some hands there. Come on, let's just, let's just give God thanks again. <clears throat> I, just, I want to share a, a testimony that, um, that I heard that we shared in staff meeting this week. Um, I'm still getting more of the details of this. Um, but uh, a lot of you will have uh, either met seen or have heard of Julian Adams. Um, he's a friend of this church and someone that we've partnered with uh, before. Uh, he's in Durban in South Africa. And uh, there was quite a remarkable post on his Facebook uh, this week. They've had a, uh, been having a conference in Durban. And this week, Julian posted... Uh, that one of his friends in Durban, um, so in a major city in South Africa, had just seen someone raised from the dead after they've been dead for four hours. He said, come on. <clears throat> right, like this. It was as the hearse was pulling up to the building to take the body away. This man laid his hand or I'm not sure exactly the details. Anyway, prayed for this woman, young woman in, the, in, uh, in their congregation, and she was raised from the dead. <laughs> I love Bill Johnson's quote, Jesus ruined every funeral he went to. Okay, <laughs> all right. That is God moving. That's, that's the miraculous. And we've got further details of the story that the woman's family weren't in the area at the time. They'd heard about it and that they were praying and that they were just worshipping God at that time. And although that they were not, even, not in the same area, they weren't there when she was raised from the dead. But this woman, when she was raised from the dead, kind of came to singing the same worship song that her family were singing. All right. Okay. <laughs> But that is, that's the music of heaven. <laughs> All right, that is 
us joining with the worship of the angels, and that's actually bringing the dead back to life. This is the God who breathes new life into any situation. And I just want us... My talk this morning is about being stewards of the mysteries of God, about how God is revealing himself, about he is, how he is making himself known, and about how the mysteries of all the things that are possible through him are being revealed, about how his nature, that there is a God who is eternal, who is all-powerful, and, but who has chosen to make himself known through his son Jesus Christ, and then through us, the church. Our task is to know him and to make him known, that the mysteries of the Godhead that were previously hidden are being revealed through Jesus Christ, and part of our joy and part of our privilege and part of our duty in terms of stewarding the responsibility that we are given that is to be able to share the mysteries of God with the world. And actually it's about how we take what we've seen you know, that kind of story, that testimony there of someone being raised from the dead, that we can hear that and we can think and we can be amazed at the story and then we can let that remain a mystery to us and, and think, okay, that's happened in another continent, that's happened in Durban, okay, that's fun for them and that's an amazing story. Or actual fact, we can tune in And in our spirit, we can actually partner with that testimony. And we can say, actually, God, what is it that you are showing me of your nature through that testimony? How am I going to allow that to grow my faith? How am I going to allow that to expand my knowledge of God, my relationship with him, and my view of what is possible through the Holy Spirit? That's good stewardship. Okay, That is stewarding what God has revealed. And that's more of what I'm going to just talk about this morning. Thought experiment first. Most of you will have heard of Bill Gates, I presume. Um, I don't think he's quite the richest man on the planet anymore, but he's someone that is well known and, and he's probably in the top ten. I think if we can all agree has a reasonable amount of money um, and, uh, and resources to be kicking around. Um, and I want you to imagine this scenario. Bill Gates comes to you and says, I'm taking a sabbatical for a year. I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm, I'm just going off. I need someone to be able to house sit for me. Okay, that's Bill Gates' house. All right. Okay. Is that, that would be starting to change your perspective of, of what life might be like over the coming year, would it not? Okay. And imagine Bill Gates says, also, um, I'm not going to be taking care of my money for the next year. Um, I need you to be doing that for me. Okay. I need you to be deciding where, where these resources are allocated. Actually, Bill and Melinda Gates, it is quite remarkable, actually, fact, the mission that they've set themselves in terms of trying to well, literally change the world with the resources that are available for them. Uh, They are working to eradicate malaria. Um, They are working in health projects around the globe. They are putting their resources towards um, improving the quality of life for humanity. Imagine 
that you were put in charge of that for a year. Imagine that you said, right, the resources are yours for you to go forth and actual fact, anywhere in the planet that you, you choose to direct these, that's up to you. I'd hope that you'd start to dream big. Okay? I would hope that that would change your viewpoint and your expectation of what you might achieve. What is possible for you, what blessing might come your way, but also, mainly, the blessing that you can pour out on the world and that you are able to change the world with what is available to you. Do you believe that God is bigger than Bill Gates? Good, so do I. We're on the same page. All right. One verse sermon this morning. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1. Um, And this is in the context of of Paul speaking about apostles. Um, We're called to be an apostolic people. Uh, This is for each and every one of us. Because we are called to be focused on the kingdom of God expanding in this world of working from the point of view of heaven rather than humanity and actual fact the expectation that we see the kingdom of God ever expanding and we are expecting the miraculous to be part of everyday life. So, when I ask you to imagine that scenario of being given Bill Gates' resources, if I then imagine you to... uh, Imagine that you've been given greater resources, greater privilege, greater access. Well, in actual fact, hopefully you don't have to, uh, that's not merely imaginary because you've been given that. That's already yours. That's already ours as the corporate body of Christ. We are stewards of God's kingdom, stewards of the mysteries of Christ. I describe stewardship very simply as uh, just taking good care of the things that are entrusted to us. Uh, and that's what God asks us to do. Speaking about mysteries. The term mystery is used fairly frequently in the New Testament. It's often used to describe the gospel um, or the ways of God. Um, and it's not used in the sense that God will always remain a mystery. Um, That would be a terrible gospel, wouldn't it? God loves you. Fantastic. What's he like? Dunno, it's a mystery. Do you see how that doesn't work? All right. (laughs) Okay. That's not a good message right there. Okay. No, when mysteries of God are mentioned, it's as I was talking earlier. It's with the emphasis that previously God wasn't known, but that he has made himself known. Okay, that the mysteries have been revealed, that through Jesus he has come to make God known and to actually make God accessible to the whole world, that the mysteries of God are revealed, that God's character, his nature and his plans are being made to the world, first through Christ uh, and then through his church. That's what we are called to steward. So, as some example verses... When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he says, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Ephesians said, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So, 
with this concept that we are stewarding, that God has made himself, God has made himself known and we get to make him known to the world. Colossians 1 says, To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's one of the mysteries of God? Well, Christ is in you. Okay, that's remarkable. Okay. You are the hope of glory for the world because Christ is in you. He is who we make known to the world and he is made known by, by being in us. That is how he has chosen to do it. Further on in, in Ephesians, it actually talks about God has chosen the church to make known his manifold wisdom on the earth. So we there, we make an eternal, unlimited God known to the world because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And a word on stewardship. So, see, 1 Corinthians was written first century AD, um, and the term steward would actually have been much more widely used there. Um, because it was often either a chief servant, but often actually a free man. Um, so uh, a, a servant or a slave who had either earned or been given his freedom. Um, and who was basically put in charge of the affairs of the master of the, master of the house. Um, and often had full charge of his master's affairs and could use them to his own advantage if he chose, but also was fully accountable to his master and then had to render an account when, when called upon. Um, and a steward's task was to manage all the affairs of the master, it says, attend to receipts and expenditures, and also portion out to each one of the household what should come to him. When the, when the master of the house was away... He would leave his entire estate in the charge of his chief steward. And that steward, yes, would be in charge of dealing with all his business um, and the financial transactions, but also every member of that household, that steward would be in charge of ensuring that that person received all that was due to them from the master of the house. That they ensuring that they were well fed, that they were well looked after, that they were financially provided. If they had been given other responsibilities, it would be the steward's responsibility to make sure uh, that that happened. So stewarding, we often think of, sometimes we can think of stewarding in a restrictive manner, I, I, I think. Um, uh, especially when we're working with the concept of limited resources. When we think, okay, I've got to steward that which means I've got to limit how much of that that we give out. Okay. Now, I, I steward this, um, so uh, I must make sure that we don't use it all up. And no, you can't have some of that because it's needed over here. In actual fact, stewardship in, in this context was basically ensuring that everyone received what that they were due from the master of the house. Okay. God is the master of the planet. And he has entrusted us as stewards towards the planet to make sure that the riches of God are shared with the world. Okay. And I say, there are, this contrasts to occasionally how stewardship is, is used, um, especially sometimes when that's used in a, either a financial sense or when we talk about stewardship in terms of the environment. 
Um, and believe me, I'm, I'm not coming against those concepts, okay? I believe in being kind of environmentally responsible and in taking care of the planet. So when we talk about finances, I believe that God provides everything. But also, you know, personally, when money's been tight in the past, I both trust that God provides. Also, I think, well, I need to budget. Okay, I need to be responsible. So uh, this is not a message about irresponsibility, but rather quite the opposite. In actual fact, that when we are considering a God of infinite resources, our stewardship is not, okay, we need to restrict how we use this because there's not enough to go round. We're thinking our job is to make sure that we are taking good care of what God is doing in us, and in actual fact that we are sharing the infinite goodness and grace and mercy of God with the world. God has given us stewardship of the knowledge of him. We need to be responsible with that. And we just need to share him in abundance. He is limitless. So, how much does God entrust us with? I think most of this depends on how much we allow him to shape our thinking. Okay? If we trust, if we're really to believe that with God all things are possible, that with God healing is possible for everyone, with God everyone can be saved, that with God there is provision for every need, the main challenge that we meet, the main way that we need to steward that in, steward that in our knowledge is in actual fact what goes on in our own minds. Okay? Freedom starts between the ears. Start by stewarding what you've seen God do, what you know of him, and by allowing it to shape your mind. Because often we think, do I really believe that? Do I really believe that God is infinite and has the power to do anything? Do I think that, do I live like that practically day by day? Do I live like that is possible? What we need to do is actual fact, take what God has already shown us, guard that in our hearts, and allow that to transform our thinking. And with that, when we are partnering with him, when we are seeing what God is doing, and in actual fact allowing that to grow our faith, the resources that become available to us grow, our knowledge of God grows. I, give you an, I want to give you an illustration. Chocolate biscuits. Why am I talking to you about chocolate biscuits? Well, May I can't remember, I may have done, might have been a few years ago, shared my chocolate biscuit story. But this is my chocolate biscuit story. I like it and I'll share it with you. So this, this dates back a few years. I was a medical student at the time. And uh, so I was working quite hard. I was studying and having placements at the hospital. And I was also running um, a, a youth uh, boys cell group. Um, and so I used to go from the hospital over to one of their houses where their parents would allow us to, to run that um, and run the cell group. And I was in the hospital library at the end of the day uh, trying to prepare my, my session for the youth cell group. And I, I, you know, I was just praying. I was uh, praying that God would meet with them and that we'd have a good evening. But also I was quite tired and quite hungry at the time. So I also just prayed, and God, please could there be chocolate biscuits at youth cell group? And off I went. Anyway, uh, we, I got to the house, and, and Kathy, who was the, the, the mum of, of one of the lads, came through and went, oh, yeah, 
uh, welcome, um, you know, showed us in, um, brought out a large pack of chocolate biscuits, um, and said, oh, I've got these for you to have tonight. I was like, oh, yeah, hey, thanks, God. That's a great answer to prayer. God also did answer the other prayers about, you know, meeting with, with the lads and things as well. Um, but really, the chocolate biscuits was where it was at for me at that time. Um, anyway, so, uh, anyway, thanks, God, for the chocolate biscuits. Did sell route, got on my bike, cycled home back to my, my student house. Um, me and Joe were engaged at that point, and when I got back to my student house, without, you know, Joe didn't know any of the details of prayer or, um, or what I'd asked or what had gone on at the cell group, but waiting on my doorstep was another pack of chocolate biscuits <laughs> that Joe had left by my front door for me. I then went to an outpatient clinic the next morning uh, as part of my studies, and um, one of the healthcare assistants brought round a large plate of chocolate biscuits, <laughs> which was not usual in the outpatient clinic. I went to, I, I did my clinic there, I went to my, my own cell group that night. Um, I was very holy back then, I was part of all kinds of cell groups. Um, anyway, went to my own cell group the next night, someone had made chocolate biscuits. I went to hospital the next morning, there were more chocolate biscuits. <laughs> <coughs> And it was like God was saying, I am in charge of every chocolate biscuit in the world, and I can direct them at Dave. <laughs> God owns all the chocolate biscuits. Okay. So, with that, is God teaching me just about chocolate biscuits? Okay. My expectation of the amount of chocolate biscuits increased. And so I'm thinking, wow, this God really does have a lot of resources. Okay, what I need to do then is actually steward that in my mind and thinking, okay, not just so that I can expect chocolate biscuits, but what is God showing me about his nature? What is God showing me about his character? And what is God showing me about provision? Okay, am I then going to allow myself to think that, in fact, I have access to the storehouses of heaven with all the biscuits, okay? All right, it's not just the shop front, it's the warehouse. Now, I ask a question. When I share that story, does the thought cross any of your mind, what was God doing wasting his time with chocolate biscuit provision? Can you just give me a wave if that's the kind of thought that has ever gone through your, your mind? If that's that? Okay, good. Someone honest back there. I, think, I appreciate that. The rest of you, probably in some form of scenario, that will have crossed your mind at some point. Okay. Why did God do that when actual fact, you know, it's the classic thing. Why is God providing Dave with a lot of chocolate biscuits when actual fact there's still poverty, hunger? Right? Anyone ever had that kind of kind of discussion? Everyone ever had that kind of thought cross your mind? Well, why do I share that story from that year? Well, that year was 2006. Um, yeah, I believe it was. That's the year that my grandmother died of cancer. So, if anyone, and that was before the chocolate biscuit story. So, if anyone was in a position to wonder, why is God giving chocolate biscuits when he could have been using his resources elsewhere, that was me. And believe me, that thought crossed my mind. But 
it depends on how we regard God and is he infinite. My, my, my nana didn't die of cancer because God was wasting his time with chocolate biscuits. Okay? God is the Lord of all chocolate biscuits. He is also the Lord of all illness. Okay? In terms of he is sovereign over that, he is the source for healing for every sickness and every disease. And as my dad has shared, we have actually seen the, the type of cancer that killed my grandmother, we have now seen healed and defeated here at Eastgate in the healing center. Okay. So, if my viewpoint of God is that he is limited and that he has to decide where to put his resources and that he is not there's not enough to go round, when I hear a testimony or when I experience something that seems fairly minor, Okay, I'm not going to be able to rejoice about that because I'm going to be bitter about what hasn't happened. Okay, whereas if I believe that God is infinite, I can, yeah, you know, I can mourn and I can come to God, you know, why my grandmother wasn't healed, but it wasn't because of a lack on God's part and it wasn't because he couldn't do it and it wasn't because he was spending his time elsewhere and in that I can still look at God's provision and his generosity and his amazing sense of humor as well in that and I can rejoice in that and that's the challenge and I would suggest that in terms of your view of stewarding These kind of mysteries, this is one of the key things, is are you able to rejoice in a testimony that you hear whilst actual fact you still might be seeing either an unmet need or a struggle elsewhere? And this is the battle that goes on here every day, every week, and this is the battle that we must overcome. Okay? Our expectation of what Jesus can do will be kind of governed by our own mindset and by our view of God's nature, of either his heart in terms of his desire to heal and bless, if we think that that's limited, then we are going to limit what goes on. Or if we think that his power or his resources are limited, then we're going to limit what's going on. When we are stewarding the mysteries of Christ well, okay, we're saying, okay, yeah, There are areas of my life where I've not yet seen breakthrough. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the areas where I've seen God God provide, where I've seen God heal. I'm going to celebrate that, and I'm going to let God teach me what he is like through that rather than through the other experiences. Okay? And this will challenge you, and this is not easy. Okay? I'm not going to pretend that it is easy. I'm not going to pretend that I came to this conclusion that year in 2006. It took me a couple of years to work that through. Okay? But every time that God does something either in our life or in the life of someone else uh, or someone that we know, there is an opportunity in how we respond. We can worship, we can learn more of him, and we can grow, we can grow in faith, we can grow in wonder and in our love of him, or we can wonder why he hasn't done the other things. Okay? The mysteries of God are being revealed. The all-loving, all-powerful nature of God is being demonstrated. Okay. So, when you hear of someone being healed in this context... You can either rejoice with that, celebrate with that person, 
and ask to grow in faith, or you can grumble about why your knee is still sore. Okay, I've done both. Um, I've, 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 I'd like to. I, I have tested both of these approaches for you. Okay, uh, so that's the spin I'm putting on it. This is not a character flaw at all. This is I have trialed both of these approaches on your behalf so that I can inform you of how those work. That's how that's how I'm saying that. Okay, and. Overall, I can say conclusively with the studies that I have done is that I would recommend the thankful approach rather than the bitter one. Okay. What is God teaching you through what he has done? Let's give another example. When you hear of God blessing someone financially, say, you can grow in your knowledge of God as provider or you can complain that you've still got bills to pay. Okay, if you want the, uh, if you want the kind of the chocolate biscuit kind of, uh, equivalent in terms of financial provision, um, have any of you ever heard a testimony of God providing in abundance for someone and thought, you didn't even need that? <laughs> Alright, as I have. <laughs> Thinking, you know, imagine that you hear a testimony of someone, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not poorly off, they don't have major needs, um, and God provides them with the money to go on an amazing holiday. All right? Because he's done this. Because God is generous. Okay? And meanwhile, you're still struggling to pay the rent. And that little voice in your head says, why is God wasting the money over there giving those people a holiday when I've got bills to pay? Does your understanding of God allow him to be generous? Okay? Because especially when it comes to finance, because finances test people like, like, like nothing else, really. Um, it's one of the single, uh, I think, biggest challenges in how we steward our understanding of that. And do we allow God to be generous? And when we see gen- God's generosity on someone else, do we either get jealous or bitter, or do actually fact can we celebrate with that person and also go, all right, God, what are you teaching me about yourself there? Because God is never teaching us just the theory. He's not just teaching us what is available. He is teaching us himself. He is showing himself. He is showing his character and his nature. With finances, we tend to be okay with the idea when we see, oh, yeah, that, that person had a major need and God met it. You know, that, that person was about to be evicted and God came through with the finances. And all of us do the wave and rejoice. But then the holiday example, that great sometimes with your understanding, if, you have a, if your view of God is either limited um, or with limited resources. And again, I talked before, I am all for um, being wise with our finances um, and, in fact, dealing well with our money. But also, when we see God doing something completely extravagant that just seems off the map and out of the blue, thinking, wow, God is showing me that he's generous. That's what I chose to learn with the chocolate biscuits. Okay? Remember, he's in charge of all the biscuits. Okay? <laughs> Making you hungry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Have access to... The, the chocolate biscuit warehouse of heaven, if you want the, uh, want the illustration. Access to every blessing in the kingdom. And that's both personally and also corporately. Okay? Stewarding what happens in us 
I think is one of the most important ways of allowing God to pour out more through us. What governs our expectation and how we steward this well is how we allow God to affect our thinking. And actually, just consider, this is the good question. Am I, day by day, week by week, year by year, growing in wonder at the magnificence of Jesus? Am I allowing him to show me more and more of his glory and his abundance, his love, his kindness, his generosity, his grace poured out? Am I walking with him, and this is very key just in terms of your own personal private walk with him, but also in terms of what we see corporately? The reason we meet together is that we grow together as the body of Christ in the knowledge of him. And also that we know the body of Christ as the church that God has called us. When we steward this well, we get to be the vehicle that pours out the blessing of God on the world. And that's fun. Okay, and that is an amazing privilege. We get to open up the gates of heaven. You get to be a gate through which the goodness of God flows. There is significance in the name that we've got, about Eastgate being the name of this church. Um, we've had um, prophecies in the past um, about being at the Eastgate of the city, also about the Benjamin Gate, um, which was basically the way that um, all of the Gentiles accessed Jerusalem. I, you know, this is how the world comes to the goodness of God. Um, I could elaborate on those more, but probably won't just for sake of time. But our mission is to open up the gates of heaven and show the goodness of the wonderful God to the world. And that's what he's calling us to as a church. But it also it all starts with us taking responsibility as individuals for stewarding what goes on up here between our ears and for saying, how am I growing in my knowledge and my understanding of Christ? Are you ready to open your gates this morning? Okay. Um, I'm just, let's, um, if you stand, we're just going to pray. Um, it's, like, come now in expectation, all right? And come knowing that, that God is wanting to expand your horizons this morning. That God is wanting to show you more of himself and to raise his expectation, your expectation, both of your encounter with him, of knowing his love, but also of what he can pour out through you. Okay, just take one moment. Um, we're not going to focus on this because it's not the main focus. Our main focus is always on Jesus. But if there are things that are keeping your gates closed this morning in terms of that flowing through you, either being that disappointment or bitterness or sickness or anything like that, just take a brief moment just to lay that before God. I'm not, I, I'm not at all saying those things don't matter. They do, but know that they matter to God. But also, just take the chance at the moment to say, God, I will not allow these things to block my view of you and to block what you are longing to do through me. So just take a moment. And uh, just now just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. He's the one that leads you into all truth. He's the one that brings revelation Say, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here and we ask that you will come change our thinking, change our expectation. We ask that you'll grow us in faith. Lord God, 
We rejoice in all that you're doing. We rejoice in people being healed in this place this morning. We rejoice that you are the God that raises the dead, that nothing is impossible for you, that in you there is every blessing. And we just ask that you will just increase our expectation of all that you do for us, increase our compassion so that when we go out into the world, we are sharing the eternal, loving, all-powerful God with the world. Let me just say, come Holy Spirit. You're happy to just stick a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. Pray, just pray over them because we need to do this together as well as as individuals as well. Okay, this needs to be something that we do as a family that we're committed to growing in our expectation of God. So, Father God, we just declare it is all for you. Everything that we do here in Eastgate is for your glory. We love you. We love meeting with you. We love your presence. We ask that you will help us to grow in faith and grow in love for you. Yeah, come Lord. Lord Jesus, we give you all the glory. Amen.